Whoa. That's all I have to say about the first two weeks of 2024 is whoa. I think like almost every other nonprofit leader and employee and teammate member that I know, I feel like the first 16 days of 2024 have thoroughly kicked my butt. Now for me, part of it's like self-induced because I'm also running a small business that I'm trying to transform in similar ways that I'm trying to transform a nonprofit. But it's been so hard. And I don't want to say that anymore. I don't want to get done with my day and be like, oh my gosh, that was so draining. I'm done. And I don't want rural nonprofit leaders to feel like that either. I want us to feel fulfilled and joyous and maybe a little tired at the end of the day, but not walk away from every single day drained and like we can't do this anymore. It's time to change that. So I've said this a hundred times. I'll probably say it a hundred more, but for three years I led a small rural nonprofit and now I've transitioned into a larger rural nonprofit And what I have learned in both of those processes are very similar things. So one of, at one time when I was the executive director of the nonprofit, my board was really, really on us about procedures and protocols. And I just remember having this conversation with my coworker and like, we are running a food shelf. There is nothing normal that happens every single day. There's nothing that we can write procedures for for a food shelf. Like every single day is so different. The work we're doing every day is different and there's just no way. Now, while I still stand by that that you can't write a playbook for, you know, daily day-by-day operations, There are things that can be done to make your life a little bit easier that maybe I should have done back then. So as I transitioned out of being ED and my lovely coworker took over and she's doing a fabulous job, I was like, wow, I really should have had a lot more in writing, a lot more procedures written out. Now that takes time. It does. But in the long run, it's worth it. So when we are in leadership roles, or maybe even not a leadership role, maybe just a front desk role or whatever your role is in a rural nonprofit, there are things that you are doing every single day or every single week or every single month that can be written out in a process because you will not be in that role forever. We know that life happens. You may get offered a job that was not even on your radar. That's what happened to me. Um, You may have to take a few weeks or a few months off work. There's a million different scenarios that can happen where somebody might have to step into your job without you being able to thoroughly train them. I was able to thoroughly train and there's still things that I'm like, gosh, I feel like I just could have been better and set her up for success more had I had these things written down and streamlined. And that's what 2024 
is all about how can we streamline our nonprofits a little more. Now, those same mistakes I made is what I'm also struggling with and why it's been so hard for me the past few weeks because things were not always transparent and not always laid out. The people that were in my role before were doing a phenomenal job, but everything was not laid out. Everything was not done in writing. Everything was not recorded. So we're going to start big picture. In the business world, email lists are where it's at. People always talk about email lists in the business world because that is how we communicate with people in today's world. Yes, there's radio and there's newspaper and there's social media, but really emails where it's at. And I, through the process that I have gone through over, I'm just going to say the past six months in my transitions in various ways in nonprofit, the email list has been the biggest struggle and failure. We need to be able to contact the people we're supporting via email. We need our donors via email. We need the other partner organizations that we are serving via email. You know, there's all these excuses, right? Well, our clients don't have internet. They may not have email. They're too old to have email. It's a lie. I literally run a rural, rural, isolated, rural, (laughs) small business. One of our biggest groups of people that we support are people over the age of 60. 98% of them have an email. They say, if you're going to cancel class, send me an email. So it's an excuse when you're saying that our clients, our neighbors don't have emails. Yes, they do. So if we, I'm going to lay out a situation for you today, for example. It's 20 below, going to be 30 below with wind chill here in northern Minnesota. We have to cancel a food shelf. It's a drive-up food shelf. We have three to 400 cars come through the line every Tuesday. Guess what we don't have? We don't have an email for anybody. So when we're going to cancel, it's literally Facebook and word of mouth. Yeah, our, I mean, our voicemails all say it at work. If we had emails of these, let's just say 250 people, do you know how much easier it would be for us to communicate with them? When you gather the people's email. Now, now listen, I know there's HIPAA and those, if you're in, there's certain, certain scenarios where you can't get their email or maybe you don't need them, you know, shelters, that kind of thing. Hunger relief, we need the emails. We could have sent out an email blast yesterday to all of our neighbors and said, Hey, guess what? It's not safe for our volunteers or for you to be sitting in a car in 30 below or canceling food shelf, but we don't have the emails. A different scenario. Why we need the emails So we support agencies across 15 counties in rural Minnesota and Wisconsin. And as we're transitioning into new leadership roles, um, into different ways we're running the organization, different policies and procedures, we've been sending out mass emails. Guess what wasn't up to date? The email list. 
we are having to go back and literally recreate the email list because it was outdated. Now, at least there was a list. Because if there hadn't been a list, that would even been more of a nightmare. But you also, once you get that email list, it's constantly editing it. And that's okay. Because that, like, two minutes it takes for you to go in and update your email list is going to save you 10 or 20, 30 minutes, maybe hours in the long run. We have to get on email list, guys. Nonprofits are also a form of business. And that's, I think it's starting to be talked about more across the nonprofit sector, but we are, we're doing business here. Maybe we're not always exchanging money. Sometimes we're exchanging time, but there is a business aspect to nonprofits. So the biggest thing that we can do is start to compile and create our email list. These need to be, again, in a cloud. I'm a cloud person because your cloud, you can access anywhere. I work across our region all the time and I can open up almost every, not almost, I can open up every single document that I'm working on from anywhere because it's in the cloud. I don't have to be on my computer. I can log into any computer and get my documents. I can get my email list. I can get the collaboration document my team is working on. Whatever it is, I can access it. We have to start creating the email list for ourselves and for the people that come behind us or the people we're working with. Email list, email list, email list. The people you're supporting or serving, the people you're working with, your donors, your volunteers, you should have several different email lists as a nonprofit. So those policies and procedures that I self-admittedly skipped out on and wish I would have done. (laughs) Oh, sorry, Christina. That's all I can say. Sorry. Um we fought this one. I'd say we fought it together. It wasn't just me, but we fought it together. Uh, so there are ways that you can get your policies and procedures written down in a way that you can benefit currently. And the person who maybe has to step into your role, maybe it's 20 years from now, they step into your role, but eventually somebody's going to step in. So this is part of your succession plan. Because we don't own a nonprofit. This is not like a business or a brand that you own. You know, this is not Ashley Hall's nonprofit. This is Second Harvest. This is Feeding America. This is insert your nonprofit word, whatever it is. We are not the organization. We support the mission. We support the organization. We support the work. We are not the organization. We do not own the work we are doing. We do not own the job we are doing. We do not even own the program we developed in the nonprofit that we're working in. That's what's beautiful about nonprofit. No one owns it. So we have to be able to create ways for people to step into it. You can put in the cloud, in your policies or procedures, those things that you are doing every single month every single week. Maybe there's daily tasks. It sounds so simple to say opening procedures for a food shelf, but somebody will need it. You can probably open your nonprofit with your eyes closed. Somebody else can't. The one that came up today again was the inclement weather policy. 
there was no doubt in our head what to do. We knew the weather, it was too cold, it wasn't safe. But then it was laid out, this is who needs to know. And it wasn't saying, hey, you email Tim, Joe, and Tom. Our policy said you need to contact the development director, the distribution warehouse director. These are the people that need to know. This is how we're going to get the word out to the community. These are the steps you're going to take. Weather, opening, closing, communications is a big one. I've started to even create a communication procedure for my programs team so that they know who sends out the mass emails. Where are they getting the list from to send out the email? What are the words we use when we're communicating with neighbors and partners? Those little things can make a big difference. We all want to be communicating the same way. Using the same words, the same verbiage. That's the brand of the nonprofit. Because again, remember, there's little things that are tied to business in a nonprofit. The brand of your organization is so important. I had somebody email me yesterday and say about their nonprofit specifically, and they said, Hey, it's not listed right on your website. The acronyms aren't right. We use capitals, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Yes, good for you. You should be to protecting the brand of your nonprofit. Guess where that needs to be? That needs to be in a procedure somewhere. So that people know maybe it's just part of the onboarding process for a new employee when you bring a new employee on. Where's the procedures and steps on how to onboard somebody? That will be that right there, onboarding a new employee can be your framework for everything that needs to be written down and laid out. Imagine that you are onboarding somebody who has never, ever, ever done the work you're doing. How do you explain it to them? Where's that document they can keep referring to? We really, really, really need to streamline our work and our nonprofits. Creating these documents, yes, they take time. Creating these procedures, yes, it takes time. As you're creating these procedures, you're also going to figure out the things that can be streamlined a little more. Mass email is one of them. The email list is one of them. Your donors. Oh my gosh, when we invested in donor software as a small nonprofit, now our, the organization I'm in mean, now, they have their own too. It was life-changing. We were like, why did we not have donor software before? The reports you can run, the way you can categorize your donors, your volunteers. It's so informative. What else can be streamlined? If you have deposits, you need deposit software, QuickBooks. There's so much software out there that can support you right now. It's insane for you not to invest in it. Some of it's free. A lot of it's free or highly discounted. Google Workspace is so cheap for nonprofit. Anything you're doing, ask if they have a nonprofit rate. Because nine times out of ten, they do. And they're willing to offer you a little bit more support if they don't generally work with nonprofits. They'll offer you more support if you are a nonprofit. Your collaboration space. 
we're not collaborating on collaborating on paper anymore. We're collaborating online. We're creating project boards and vision boards online within our teams so that we can just go pop an idea up there when it comes to us. We have to streamline our work as nonprofits because at the end of the day, that's what's going to be make that day a little less draining. When you can get these policies and procedures in line. If you are running, I'm just going to use our, I know hunger, <laughs> hunger relief work, so that's what I'm going to use. Delivery schedules. Every single, every single little thing, every single little delivery you make needs to be laid out. Whether you're delivering boxes to seniors or you're running trucks across a region, every single step needs to be documented somewhere. It's for transparency as well. How do people know where things are going? How do your volunteers that are delivering the boxes know where to go? We cannot just say, hey, you got to go to Tim Joanne's house. We need to have it written down somewhere. Those will be the things that at the end of the day make your life easier. I can't take away the stresses of supporting people when they're in crisis mode. I can't take away the stress of somebody walking in and having an utter breakdown in front of you. Those are things that cannot be streamlined. Those are not things that I can take that stress away for. But the things that we can, let's do it. Streamline, streamline, streamline. Invest in the software. Get everything written out. It takes time up front, but it will save you stress in the long run. Everything that we are doing needs to be written down for transparency and just for peace of mind. What happens if you do have to take a break for whatever reason for a few months? Somebody takes over and you come back and nothing that they did was written down. That's not helpful to you or to them. I could share a million different other softwares there's out there for you, but really the best thing that you have to do is you have to research it for your nonprofit. All of our needs are different. All of our organizations are different, our communities. So you just kind of have to take that time and do that research of what software is going to be best for you. Maybe there is a software out there that does everything for you. It does your bookkeeping. It does your email list. It does your donors. You just have to find it. And yes, that takes time, but it will save you stress and heartache in the long run. As somebody who has gone through two major transitions with two different nonprofits over the past six months, I can tell you the number one thing that would have saved a lot of anxiety and stress is if I had those email lists, they were current and up to date. And if all of the procedures were written out or typed out, however, whatever we say in 2024, if all of it was just written out and it was transparent. And I've been on both ends of it. I was not great about writing those policies and procedures out. And now I'm also on the end of being like, oh, I wish this was written out for me. So I'm guilty of it. I am in the process of working through that. So if somebody has to walk into what I'm doing, they can also just take over 
and refer back to things I have written down. Let's get it written down, folks. Let's get the email list. Oh, the email list. I love the email list. Um, And in that list, in those contacts, make sure you're writing out the name of the person. You probably want first and last name in two different cells just because when you're exporting it um, to your software, your program, if you're sending an email, a lot of the times it can say, Dear Joe, and you just want it to say the first name because it seems more personal than if you're putting first and last name. So as much information as you can put into these documents that you're creating, the better. Names, emails, addresses. I even put a little note um, as to, you know, sometimes I contact this person for this and I contact this person for that. So the more information that we can get documented, the better it's going to be in the long run. And same goes for your procedures. Little notes, you can have your big, your big bold, this is what I'm doing. And then underneath it, the more detailed you can get in your procedures, the better it is for you and for the person you're writing it for. And maybe you'll discover as you're writing these procedures that you'll be like, wow, that is a really backwards way to do that. Or that is entirely too long or doesn't make sense. So it's going to be a learning process for you as you're writing your procedures as well. I know these sound super basic. And like I said, I'm fully aware that these things take time up front to create, but it will save you and your team and your predecessor stress and anxiety in the long run. Let's get it all written out. Let's be very clear on work we are doing, how we're doing it. Let's be transparent for our teams, for our people we're supporting and serving, and for ourselves. Save yourself the stress and the heartache in the long run. Be very clear about what you're doing. Thanks for listening, and please share this with anybody else. Maybe it's not just rural nonprofit leaders. Maybe it's my business. Until next time, I hope that you have a fabulous day and that this sparks some ways for your day to be a little less stressful as a rural nonprofit leader.